0: And now...
1: Proper propaganda.
0: If you're just tuning in to Civic Cypher, I'm your host, Ramses job Ram's job I am Q Ward. You guys are listening to Civic Cypher. Yes, indeed. Um, Stick around. we still got a lot more show in store for you. Uh, we're going to be talking about... Ooh. The uh, Florida Department of Education.
2: They should be Um, ashamed of themselves. Yeah,
0: we're going to be talking about that. Um, They, in short, don't think that uh, the education of African American studies has any educational value. Um, And so we're going to break that down. And we're also going to be spending some time talking about a gentleman by the name of Bo Diddley. Uh, For our Way Black History fact, uh, for those of you who are fans of rock and roll music or blues or any of that sort of stuff, um, we're going to show you the black origins of certainly rock and roll. I'm sure that you can uh, actually tell about the uh, blues. But before we get there, let's talk about becoming a better ally. Baba. So today's B.A.B.A. is sponsored by Major Threads for the finest in uh, quality menswear. Check out MajorThreads.com. Today's Baba comes from Black Enterprise. And uh, the headline reads, one of the nation's largest mutual fund companies, Fidelity Investments, is pledging $250 million to help as many as 50,000 black, Latinx, and historically underserved students go to college. So, the Boston-based firm is making the commitment via a fresh social impact initiative, Impact. I I'm don't left my tea. Initiative, known as Invest in My Education. The effort over the next five years will include providing students with scholarships and mentorships. It will focus on boosting college graduation rates, helping students finish school with no debt, and providing assistance in obtaining well-paying jobs after college. The support is truly needed. Fidelity disclosed that just 21% of black students who start college graduate within four years versus 45% of white students. Moreover, the company revealed that black and Latinx students accumulate 25,000 more in student debt than their white peers. To help combat some of the disparity, Fidelity is joining with United Negro College Fund, which calls itself the nation's largest and most effective education organization. With the gift, UNCF revealed it has gained the largest philanthropic corporate gift in its 78-year history from Fidelity Investments to launch the Fidelity Scholars Program. The UNCF reported Fidelity is donating $190 million to UNCF as part of the company's $250 million initiative. And I think that this is very important because education is often seen as elitist, and this is kind of leveling the playing field and getting some more folks out there. So we applaud that. That absolutely is an example of becoming a better ally. So shout out to Fidelity Investments now. From a bright moment in education to a little bit darker moment, the Florida Department of Education. Has declined to include an African American, African, sorry, advanced placement African American studies course proposed by the College Board and schools. Um, this article comes from binnews.com. And before we get into it, what are your early thoughts, or what were your early thoughts when you first heard about this and the why?
2: You and I have discussed the very, very rapid and dramatic temperature change in overt racism Mm. post the election of our former president. Mm -hmm. And I saw hundreds of thousands, millions of black people arguing for overt racism's place in today's culture, in today's ecosystem as something they preferred. I like for my racists to wear it on their chest and say it with their chest and let us know how they really feel. And I've always pushed back on that, right? Because the actual outcomes matter more than the performative part. Yeah. Right? So if being ashamed of being racist means you treat my children nicer just so people will think you're not racist, then
0: let's run that. Play. I prefer that. Yeah, let's run that.
2: I don't need to know your true colors if the world I live in is better because you're faking it. I don't live with you. I'm not in your home. So... You're allowed to keep those private, dangerous, bigoted thoughts to yourself Mm -hmm. with everyone now wearing it more on their chest. I think I spoke to you uh, off air about the idea that there are a lot of people who part of their not just social identity, but professional identity is that they're decent. So to protect their pocketbooks, they got to pretend to be decent people, Mm -hmm. or at least they used to. Because something like this would have never been something that we even considered having to cover in news because those people would have understood how flagrantly and overtly racist it would be yeah.
0: to say what they said.
2: To say what they said and to have something like this make the news, they'd be too embarrassed. Yeah, Nobody's embarrassed anymore. They're standing on it. They're standing Dug on in. it. Yeah. And stand to lose nothing yeah. because they're their, their supporters now feel more inclined and more emboldened to support these types of views and express these type of views out loud. Mm-hmm. This governor in a state that is extremely diverse can come out and, and with a straight face tell people that there is no scholastic or educational value and African-American studies. That's the most hurtful thing. And have a whole governing body stand behind him and support it. And I'd be willing to bet that there were minorities
0: involved in this decision. I'd be willing to bet that blindly. You know, I, I, if I were to accept that, um, it would be very easy because as we've seen in in the first part of the show, when we're talking about the five officers that ended the life of, uh, I think his name is Tyree Nichols um they were all black all five of those officers ended that black child's life six black people involved um so absolutely i could totally see this board you know parroting these what we believe to be white supremacist sentiments and really espousing these ideals and again, I think that the thing that's so hurtful about this is that they say it, it has no educational value. That part is really hurtful. So again, I mentioned that I had a conversation, a very meaningful conversation earlier in the week with a person that I feel deserves way more of a stage than he already has. And he's got a huge stage, Anthony Browder. Um, once upon a time at our old station where we, Q and I used to work, I'd go into the, uh, the, uh, program director's office. I was a music director. So I'd go in the office at the end of the day and I would program the logs for the next day. I was a music director, meaning that I basically scheduled the order in which the songs played surprise supplies, you know, they don't take your requests. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway.
2: Some, uh, some DJs that Yeah,
0: sometimes, sometimes you can get a request in, but for the most part, it's, it's predetermined. Anyway, so I would go in there and I'd spend some time, put a lot of thought into this, and, and it would take some time. And I would listen to these lectures. I would listen to these people, um, these great thinkers, these really uh, educated folks, Anthony Browder being one of them. And I realized that I was either not educated or miseducated. I was given an alternative version of reality. In fact, I still know things that aren't entirely true. And I learned that in my conversation recently with him. And so I personally uh, began to appreciate the value of a full education, an education that included African history as human history, as world history. An education that included African American history as American history, right? Because it's, it's crazy. How do you tell the story of the United States? Well, we were being oppressed by, you know, the King of England, you know, where we they were taxing us and not, we, we didn't have any representation. And then we, the Boston Tea Party and then, you know, the, the, uh, you know, you know, the story. You know, lack of religious freedoms, et cetera. Uh, yeah. And this is, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things go into this. So basically, we're trying as a country or as, as a, we started off as a, as a series of colonies, but we were trying to um, gain our independence. Right. Uh, gain some autonomy. Be self-determined. And, you know, we, this fighting spirit is indeed uh, written into the story of this country, right? But when you break it down a little further for black people that wasn't true and and it, we're still trying to make it true day in day after day. Year after year, decade after decade, we're still inching forward. Would love to feel as free as that rich white man that we always talk about seems to be. It is it is <laughs> you couldn't see it but as you were saying
2: that, I just got chills. Hmm. And the reason why as I've been trying to figure out how to say something for as long as we've been doing this show and really for as long as I've been having these thoughts. And I think you just helped me get there. I do not think there is a more determined people to be a part of this country's history and what it celebrates than black people. We really, 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 really are proud americans mm-hmm. like yeah insanely so considering our history with this country and everything that it stands stands for and everything that it was built on but we are the single most determined people i think in the history of the world to subscribe to the teachings and beliefs of a country that has essentially for most of its history not just undervalued and underappreciated us but abused us mm. And we and we somehow still really, really, really want to be proud Americans. We do not want to seek our revenge. We do not want to overthrow the place. We just want to, like all those words that you guys didn't mean about us when you were writing the Constitution, when you were writing the Bill of Rights, when you were writing uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, when you were writing all these beautiful things that we sing and memorize and recite, even though we now realize you were not talking about us, we still hope one day we're going to wake up and you guys are going to be like, okay, you guys too. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's funny that you said that. That is a really. That's a
0: pretty low bar.
2: <laughs> it's both awesome yeah. and so crushingly difficult yeah, to that that's true. Too. Yeah, and I didn't mean to cut you off. No,
0: but no, you no. You were saying it. I'm just like, wow, man. Like, well. I think that 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 makes the point because you know uh, their worry has historically been with the whole conversation about c r t or really American history um and whether or not that should be taught in classrooms uh, their their whole conversation has been a, about it let's be honest, centering the feelings of white children at the expense oh, of everyone else of white children's parents, ooh, that way,
2: they say it's about the children, yeah, it's about their parents yeah who have to answer those questions and and speak to those feelings Mm -hmm. that their intelligent children will have when they hear those stories. Sure. They're not going to assume culpability and feel guilty themselves. They're going to feel hurt. They're going to want questions answered. They're going to feel empathy and they're going to have to teach that out of them. And they don't want that. I think the word they use is indoctrinated. They Mm. think that these teachings will indoctrinate their, their children to want to rise up and be, um, Good people. <laughs> yes, but that's not the words. <laughs> activist. Oh,
0: yeah. Good people. They don't want their children <laughs> to
2: become activist, Rams. That's
0: funny. Well, um, I think that, uh, you know, again, that, that kind of proves the point. And, and, you know, if you educate people, young people especially, about African. American history, black history in this country and Af- and indeed african history by itself and you teach it all the way thoroughly up to present day then what you what you're teaching the students is well these black people these african and african american people uh have an incredible resolve they're very diligent they have been through a lot and have not organized to rise up, you know, in mass, you know, uh, and if that were something that were to happen, nobody could really blame them. And yet that's not what they want. They're just simply seeking to be counted. They're seeking to have a fair go at things. Why is my neighbor's house three hundred thousand dollars more than mine, and it's the same house? I'm black and I live here, and my neighbor's not black. And if I change the the family portrait in my house, then all of a sudden my the value of my house goes up three hundred thousand dollars. Mm. Why is it the black real estate agents make less? And we're just talking about one tiny, teeny tiny facet. Why is black wealth? Why we're talking about education outcomes? Why is educate? You know what I mean. And you can't. And and it's there's so many people that will just accept the way the world is because a it doesn't affect them or b they don't know any better. But you know, I think that a comforting thought for folks is well, that's just how it is. You know, some people are better at this, some people are that better at that, and that's a falsehood because what I often do is compare black outcomes across the uh, Atlantic. So are the outcomes for African-Americans the same as the outcomes for Africans? And if so, then, you know, okay, your point is well made, but often enough, the outcomes are not the same. And so what's the difference? Well, these are African-Americans and these are Africans. So the American part must be the difference. Mm -hmm. So what's going on with the American part that's making the African-Americans suffer more than the African counterparts? Granted, Africa is not in the best shape, but there there's different ailments in african uh uh, countries there there's the legacy of colonialism there's you know the theft and theft really uh in mass um and then bad deals and people not honoring and then all kinds of government manipulation british government manipulation that you know destabilizes the country and then you have left with a continent that looks the way it looks now but you know uh how the prison populations look you know what i mean you see what i'm saying so uh history is very important because it gives you a framework to understand the world uh a little bit better now i didn't read this article yet and i do need to read it just to you know preserve some journalistic integrity here um so i'll start according to wesh two news The FDOE said in a letter to college board that it would not approve including AP African-American studies into the Florida course code directory and instructional personnel assignments because, quote, the content of this course is inexplicably contrary to Florida law. That would have been enough. It, It wouldn't have been enough, but okay. But here's where the knife gets twisted. And significantly lacks educational value. Okay, that's the hurtful part so my history lacks educational value and mind you this is an ap course and it's contrary to the law yeah and 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 i get that that's you know you you fight some battles you lose some battles what are you going to do right but then to go ahead and and insult the educational value of our history um is a slap in the face you know matter of fact our way black history facts should have been about that that beach in florida where only blacks could Uh, that was the only beach in Florida where black people could go and swim. In fact, I'll do that. Um, and that'll show you just how racist Florida has been in the past. And this obviously shows that Florida still, at least in these pockets of power, tenuous power, um, how racist it still can be, um, and i I was making a point. This is an AP course. So those for those familiar, AP is not kindergarten. It's not first grade, It's not second grade. AP is advanced placement, I believe, is the is what it's abbreviated for. I, yes. I took AP courses in high school it was a long time ago. but all right, I'll finish reading uh, or I'll continue reading rather. the AP African American Studies course was piloted this academic year. In 60 schools across the nation, per the College Board website, the course intends to introduce high school students to African-American studies and includes a curriculum that covers literature, hmm, geography, hmm, and more. here's a quote. Drawing from expertise and experience of college faculty and teachers across the country, the course is designed to offer high school students an evidence-based introduction to African-American studies. A description of the course reads, per College Board, quote, The interdisciplinary course reaches into a variety of fields, literature, the arts, and humanities, political science, geography, and more science, to explore the vital contributions and experiences of African Americans. During the 2023-24 academic school year, the pilot is expected to be implemented in hundreds of schools before all institutions can start offering the course in 2024-25. The first AP exams are set to be administered in the spring of 2025. Following the FDOE blocking the African-American Studies course, College Board issued the following statement. Quote, like all new AP courses, AP African-American Studies is undergoing a rigorous multi-year pilot phase, collecting feedback from teachers, students, scholars, and policymakers. The process of piloting and revising course frameworks is standard part of any new AP course, and frameworks change significantly as a result. We look forward to publicly releasing the updated course framework as soon as it is completed and well before this class is widely available in American high schools. In its letter to College Board, the FDOE wrote, in the future, should College Board be willing to come back to the table with lawful, historically accurate content, FDOE will always be willing to reopen the discussion. Okay, so basically they spent years with some of the most prominent educators in this country developing this curriculum. Um, They piloted it. To see if it works, and then when they took it to Florida, Florida says it lacks significant education, or sorry, significantly lacks educational value, and then later says uh, that the the content was historically inaccurate, or in other words, if you come back to the table with lawful, historically accurate content, we'll resume the conversation. So that lets me know. And, they, and still, ultimately, tell you no. Yeah, as and long that, as we're empowered to do so, right? They—they're going to make it wrong, even if it's not. Um, they—they they already did that, and and I think your point that you made was they're doing this right in front of everyone's face, not even hiding the fact, and they're adding insult to injury. It's like they're mocking us. Yeah, how dare you say? And,
2: and singularly. Because other AP history classes from other cultures, other backgrounds, uh, other migrant
0: cultures that came over to this land. Talk to them, Q. Those are historically accurate and and, and lawful. Mm. I did a talk about this, uh, again, on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, um, where I discussed the Holocaust. Mm. So... Let's talk about this. A tragedy is a tragedy. I want to make sure that I say that. Um, I do believe that children should know about the Holocaust. I believe everybody should know about the Holocaust. It is an awful thing that happened, and we need to continue to learn from it so that we know how to be the best brothers and sisters to our Jewish brothers and sisters as we can possibly be. A, and B, we need to know about it so we know How to observe the uh makings of a similar uh event phenomenon taking place in the future so that we can um prevent it from you know prevent the systematic extermination of human beings for their religious beliefs right it's necessary it has uh significant educational value right i believe this right so does the Florida Department of Education. Right? Six million. Now again, I'm not uh, an, an atrocity is an atrocity, and I'm I'm not trying to compare uh other than to say that while that counts in my view and their view as significantly having educational value, also when you take into account the amount of slaves that died just in the middle passage i think that was somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 million 80 85 million something like that if, if I'm, I'm, that number may not be right but it's certainly more than six million right and so that too belongs here and if that were the only thing that would be it but obviously the rabbit hole goes much deeper but now it's time for the way black history fact so let's move it on uh today's way black history fact is sponsored by the black information network daily podcast and today we are pulling from two sources this will be rollingstone.com shout out to rolling stone they did a nice article on us (laughs) and uh, blackpass.org and we are talking about bo diddley Sorry, I had a moment. (laughs) Shout out to Rolling Stone because they did an article on us. That's actually true. Shout out to Rolling Stone. (laughs) They did do an article on this show. Yeah. On
2: on us. That's 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 special. That's an impossible thing to say out loud and it'd be true. Man, we're
0: doing something special, apparently. All right. Boxer and singer Bo Diddley, whose birth name was Ellis Bates McDaniel, was born on December thirtieth, nineteen twenty eight in Macomb, Mississippi. He was adopted by his mother's cousin when the mother's husband died in the mid-1930s. McDaniel moved her family to Chicago where young Ellis took violin lessons from, from Professor O.W. Frederick at the Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church. He studied violin for 12 years and composed two concertos or concertos. I was I never know how to say that word. In 1940, his sister bought McDaniel an acoustic guitar for Christmas. He soon started to play the guitar, largely duplicating his actions on the violin. Soon afterward, he formed his first group of three named the Hipsters, and later known as uh, the Langley Avenue Jive Cats. I love that. Uh, It was during this time that the band leaders gave him the nickname Bo Diddley. Uh, Diddley recorded his first single, Bo Diddley slash I Am a Man, on March 2nd, 1955, on Checkers Records. It topped the RB chart for two weeks. Soon afterward, Diddley began to tour performing in schools, colleges, and churches across the United States. Regardless of the venue, he taught people the importance of respect and education and all the dangers of drugs and gang culture. For a young black singer and guitarist from Chicago with only a minor hit, Getting booked on The Ed Sullivan Show in 1955 was a career-making opportunity. Sullivan asked him to sing Tennessee Erie Ford's country smash 16 tons. Instead, the young star unleashed the guitar maelstrom that introduced him to the world and whose title bore his name, Bo Diddley. The audience went wild and Sullivan fumed, promising that Diddley would never appear on television again. Later, Diddley recalled the aftermath. Quote, he says to me, you're the first colored boy ever double-crossed me on a song, unquote. And I started to hit dude because I was a young hoodlum out of Chicago and thought colored boy was an insult. Hey man, you're right about that. Colored boy is an insult. All right, Diddley was pure masculinity with songs that shouted his name and proclaimed his skills. With a cigar box shaped guitar, he designed himself. A Stetson on his head and a sound that permanently reoriented the world's senses of rhythm. Bo Diddley called himself the originator, and when he died at age 79 on June 2nd uh, from heart—sorry, uh, that would have been 2008—from heart failure in his home in Archer, Florida, music lost a one-of-a-kind pioneer. Um, Bo Diddley was known for many new musical styles and innovations. He was one of the first musicians of the 1950s to incorporate women musicians, including Lady Bo. He hired her full-time to play all of his stage performances, whereupon she became the first female lead guitarist in history to be employed by a major act. Also, the usage of special effects like reverb, tremolo, and his manipulations of the guitar made him a groundbreaking musician. Diddley hopped and strutted around stage while playing his guitar over his head, with his teeth, and even between his legs. In that regard, he influenced numerous rock musicians from the 1960s on. Um, and in 1986 Bo Diddley was inducted into the Washington Area Music Association's hard, Hall of Fame. Then in the following year he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. In 1996 Diddley received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Rhythm and Blues Foundation in Los Angeles. While the following year his 1955 d- debut record of his song Bo Diddley was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame as a recording of lasting qualitative or historical significance. Also in 1996 he received a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Grammy Awards Ceremony. In 2000, Diddley was inducted into the Mississippi Museum uh, Musicians Hall of Fame, as well as the North Florida Music Association's Hall of Fame. And in 2007, Diddley went to Mississippi to receive the Governor's Award for Excellence in Arts for Lifetime Achievement, which is the state's highest arts honor. Um, let's see and uh, he was married four times and he was survived by his five children, 15 grandchildren and 15 great-grandchildren and three great-great-grandchildren. And I love this story because, uh, and the reason that I was kind of primed for the story is because I saw a clip on social media as a video of Ray Charles, right? Ray Charles was getting interviewed. My older sister actually posted this, so shout out to my sister Trudy. And that's her screen name if you want to follow her. It's true underscore D. Anyway, that's dope. Um, so in this video, a uh, journalist is, in, excuse me, interviewing Ray Charles. And he says something like, uh, you know, Elvis, Elvis is really good, right? Elvis is really good. And Ray Charles goes, oh, uh, uh, okay, okay. And the journalist says, whoa, okay, well, you know, you tell me, what are your thoughts on, on Elvis? And he says, well, Elvis is, you know, let's be honest. And then effectively what he says is that Elvis copied black music, copied black dance styles, singing styles, you know, uh, guitar styles, etc. And just repackaged it for a white audience. And that's why he was successful. But that didn't make him good. It's not to say that he was bad, but there were certainly a lot of people who were better performers, musicians, singers, etc. Um, And so for Elvis to be celebrated in that way, uh, Ray Charles just couldn't really see it. And he was almost insulted. In fact, I think he was insulted to be having to have this conversation about Elvis Presley when he's Ray Charles, right? And from his perspective, you get, it didn't seem like arrogance. It seemed like, oh, shoot, I never thought of that. You're absolutely right. You know, we, you know, who didn't grow up in that time, we look at it like, oh yeah, Elvis, he's like one of the greats. Sure. Why not? Right. But the way he tells it, it's like, oh shoot, he's right. Right. And so having that sort of as the, the backdrop for, you know, this Bo Diddley story, I realized that you know it's it's up to us to make those connections those decidedly black connections to rock and roll to everything that was black because you know we need to give credit where credit is due we need to highlight our contributions to this country um in entertainment and in every other space uh, because they're often overlooked and we need to make sure that we celebrate our heroes and so bo diddley was the name of the day and that ladies and gentlemen is your way black history fact
2: that's incredible nice and neat right yeah <laughs> I, I got <laughs> to learn about bo didley as a kid because bo jackson a very prominent and famous athlete mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. of his marketing campaign through nike was you don't know bo and then bo Diddley said bo don't know Diddley." so it was a really good play on words in a way of interjecting
0: himself back into the popular culture yeah i love that well we'd like to thank you once again for tuning in to civic cypher i'm your host ramses ja he is ramses ja i am q ward this is once again civic Mm cypher do us a favor hit the website civiccypher.com check out this and any previous episodes Um, if you feel so inclined shoot us any topics you want us to cover any questions we can answer for you uh, please make a donation the show is growing and your donations are certainly helping us on our way. And be sure to tap in with us on our social media. It's at Cipher on all platforms. You can follow me at RamsesJob. I am Q Ward. And uh, I think that'll do it for us around here. So until next time, y'all. Peace. Peace.
1: From headquarters, behind enemy lines, sidestepping the borders. With press passes, we bring it to you as it happens. The streets love my crew for music and rapping. Street Commander slash beat expander, here to fight the slander with the proper propaganda. What's happening? You got a question, then ask it. The news is just a TV show, get past it. And this from a quiet wartime journalist. Headlines wake up, refuse, and resist. Like this, like this, like this, like this.